If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. The Road to Destiny. Last week we looked at some roadblocks on the road to destiny, and uh, we will continue that series today. I'll be reading... uh, to you from Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. The title of my message today is Rest Stop on the Road to Destiny. Rest stop on the road to destiny. How many have ever gone on a road trip? I think all of us have. Then you know the importance of rest stops. They're important, aren't they? Uh, It is actually dangerous to travel long distances without taking rest stops. Uh, Take it from me as someone who has flipped a car over on the interstate. It's not good to go without rest stops. Travel experts recommend 10 minutes rest for every two hours of traveling. Uh, But I I know how it is. We want to get where we're going. I I feel you, right? So who needs rest? But we do need rest stops. And I believe this is a vivid picture of what the Christian life is like. God has built rest stops into the road to our destiny. And it is essential that we make them an important part of our everyday lives. Regular times of prayer and reflection, meditative reading of the scriptures, refreshment in the Lord's presence, these are all vital, not optional. They're vital to our Christian walk. Without them, what do we do? Well, we, in essence, do what sleepy drivers do. We turn up the volume, we lower the windows, we slap ourselves once in a while to keep ourselves awake, just to keep going. The Christian walk was never meant to be that way. We need rest stops on the road to our destiny. In the passage we're looking at today, we find Jesus and his disciples taking a rest stop on the road to Jerusalem. They stop at the home of Martha and Mary for food and rest. But in these verses, we also find Mary, one of these sisters, taking a rest stop at the feet of Jesus. And so Mary becomes an example to us of our need for rest stops on the road to destiny. So for the next few minutes, I want to answer the question, what is involved in taking a rest stop on the road to destiny? What is involved in taking a rest stop on the road to destiny? The first element is this. 
It's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. The Greek word here translated into our English, sitting, uh, doesn't mean just to sit, but it means to sit near. Implying that uh, Mary got as close to the Lord Jesus as she could possibly get. It was common in those days for pupils to sit at the feet of their teachers. This was a familiar mark of discipleship. We see this in Acts 22.3 where we read that Paul was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was the rabbi who trained Paul in the Jewish law. Luke 8.35 tells us that the man whom Jesus cast demons out of sat at his feet. And so by sitting at Jesus' feet, Mary was showing her desire to learn. She was demonstrating respect for Jesus as her teacher. In effect, she shows herself to be a willing disciple of Christ. Notice how Jesus commends her for this. This is significant because Jewish teachers were generally opposed to women learning from the rabbis or other teachers in this fashion. It was usually men who were privileged to sit at the feet of their teachers. But it says here that Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening to what he said, uh, literally saying she was listening to his word or his message. And the tense here indicates continual attentive listening. She was listening to his word, not just idle chatter or gossip. Jesus was teaching Mary, and Mary was listening attentively to everything he had to say. We get so busy and so preoccupied, and I'm going to talk more about that in a moment with other things, we forget the importance of just sitting at Jesus' feet. And by that I mean by just being in his presence, by drinking in his presence, by hear, hearing his word, not just hearing, but absorbing what he has to tell us and being in his presence. Some of us hear stories of people saying, God spoke to me and said, do this and that. And they say, God never speaks to me. Do we ever sit at his feet long enough to listen? That's a question. If you've been a believer for a long period of time and you say, I've never really felt God speaking to me with a message, a, 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 a tailor-made message for me, I respectfully ask, have you sat at his feet? Have you spent time in his presence? The story is told of a pastor of a large church who had a dream one night that really opened his eyes. He dreamed he could see his church worship, worship service on Sunday morning, but there was something very strange happening. The choir was singing, but he couldn't hear them. The mouths of the choir members were open, but no sound was coming out. And during the congregational singing, he could see the open mouths of the people as they sang, but he couldn't hear anything. And then he saw himself get up to preach, and he saw himself open his mouth and deliver his message, but he couldn't hear anything. But the only thing he could hear was up in the balcony, one young girl singing at the top of her lungs, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It was all he could hear. And then he woke up confused, not knowing what the dream meant. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Pastor, you just saw a picture of what I see in your ministry, in your church every Sunday morning. People are singing and you are preaching, but I hear nothing. Your heart is not focused on me. You are focused on yourself. And the people are focused on themselves. The only one I heard in your church last Sunday was that little girl in the balcony. 
She came to church with the right motive to love me with all of her heart. I wonder in a spiritual sense if we had a dream like this about our church. Would it be silent as well? You see, there's a big difference between being fans of Jesus and being devoted to him. Do we understand that? Kyle Eidelman in his book, Not a Fan, said this, fans often confuse their admiration for devotion. They mistake their knowledge of Jesus for intimacy with Jesus. Fans assume their good intentions make up for their apathetic faith. This morning, are we fans of Jesus merely? Or are we devoted to him? The first step in the rest stop on the road to discipleship is to sit at the feet of Jesus, to spend time in his presence. It's not just a rest from the journey, it is a refueling for the journey. We must take time to draw near to Jesus, sit at his feet, reading his word for prayer, and just to be in his presence. I remember one time about 20, 25 years ago in the history of our church, we were still meeting in the shopping center. Some of you may be here, remember this. We had uh, special services, a Sunday through a, a Wednesday with a guest evangelist. And uh, one of those evening services, I think it was a Monday night. Can anything good happen on Monday nights? Yes, the ladies' Bible study has been great on Monday nights. It was a Monday night service, and at one point the, the, the message had been given, and we were just, uh, just worshiping the Lord, and suddenly a hush descended on that gathering. And for 20 minutes, nobody made a sound. Did you know how long 20 minutes is when nothing's happening? Nobody moved around. Nobody shuffled in their seats. The door didn't, you know, squeak open. And it wasn't on the program, you know, okay, at this point in the in the service, we'll have 20 minutes of silence. No, it wasn't planned. It just happened. And I can't describe to you the sweetness of the presence of God there. Nobody wanted to move. Nobody wanted to make a sound. You remember that? It, and and it, was, it was a divine visitation. It was time in God's presence. Time in God's presence is never wasted. And while that happens spontaneously, I believe we do need to plan rest stops on our road to our destiny. We do need to have times in the Lord's presence because it's in those times where we read his word, we, we, we pray and, and, and share our hearts with him, but we also be quiet before him, quiet our spirits. How many know it takes a lot to quiet our spirits, to quiet our minds? And God will speak to you. And God will impart to you and to me. But it only happens when we're sitting at the feet of Jesus. Very important on the road to our destiny. What's the second aspect of the rest stop on the road to our destiny? It's having to fight off distractions. Having to fight off distractions. Uh, this is illustrated by Martha in verse 40. It says she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care? My sister's left her, me to do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. 
Sounds like a sister, doesn't it? See, Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening to what he said. Martha was distracted. The word translated distracted in this verse is a word that means to be pulled or dragged away. It's the picture of someone pulled in all sorts of different directions. <laughs> Anybody relate to that? It's a word we relate to only too well in the 21st century. How many demands compete for your attention every day? Do you ever feel like you're being pulled apart in several different directions at once? Of course you do. Your work needs this, your spouse needs this, the kids need this, the house uh, needs this, and you have to take care of this and run here and take care of that and buy this and arrange for this. We wear so many hats each day. And many times we're just too busy for our own good. And it says here that Martha was distracted by the preparations that had to be made. Notice, she was distracted by things that had to be done. Uh, and we can justify our distracted mentality by saying, hey, I have to take care of these things. After all, if I don't, who will? <laughs> you ever feel that way? But it's so easy to deceive ourselves into thinking that all these things are more important than time in the Lord's presence. It's what has been called the tyranny of the urgent. Placing the urgent above, in priority above the important. The word translated preparations here is a word that's often translated service or ministry. So in the original Greek it says she was distracted by much service or ministry. Now, Pastor Tim, are you saying that we can be doing ministry for the Lord and that can be a distraction from time in the Lord's presence? Absolutely. Are you saying we shouldn't do ministry for the Lord? Of course not. We're called to do ministry. Every believer should be involved in ministry. If every believer in every church was involved in ministry, there'd never be a worker shortage. Like there is perpetually. And like we have, like every other church. Ministry is important. But we can be doing so many things for the Lord, we're not spending time with the Lord. She was distracted by her preparations. And at that moment, she was missing what Jesus had for her. And then she said this, don't you love this? Lord, don't you care? Lord, don't you care that I'm doing all this? How many times have we said that to the Lord? You don't have to answer. <laughs> but sometimes we go through things and uh, even if we don't say it, you know, we, we think it. How many know the Lord knows our thoughts? Lord, don't you care? Lord, don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see what I'm uh, uh, obligated to, what I'm burdened down with? Lord, don't you care? Can I tell you this morning, he cares. He cares. It says in 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Martha wasn't casting her care upon the Lord. She just felt overwhelmed and saw Mary uh, not doing the work that she felt needed to be done. And she said, Lord, don't you care? She was serving all by herself. You see, Jesus knew what was going on. And Jesus wouldn't allow her request. He wouldn't do what uh, Martha wanted him to do. Why? Because he knew she was distracted. 
She was distracted. Distractions are a real problem. How many know distracted drivers are a real problem? You ever drive past any distracted drivers? Uh, you know, I think every state now, didn't used to be this way, every state has a law against holding your phone while you're driving. I know Virginia does. Uh, you have to have some sort of hands-free device uh, or you'll get, you'll get pulled over, you'll get ticketed. Why? Because it's a distraction. And people are distracted not just by their mobile phones, but by the radio and by, uh, you know, food and other things in the car. Uh, I heard about one lady who says uh, she puts on her nylons behind the wheel. Another, yeah, I, I, guess some, I guess some ladies still wear those. And uh, she, <laughs> another lady was fixing a salad while she was driving, and she said, I got pretty good at it. Well, you know, that's, uh, that's a little extreme. But we can be distracted by so many things, so many things calling for our attention. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. People see, see the words, let us throw off everything that hinders. They think, oh, that's sin. Yeah, we, we, we got to get the sin out of our lives. Well, that's true. But that's not what it's saying here because he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin. So everything that hinders is not the sin because he mentions our sin that we got to get rid of. What is everything that hinders? Distractions. Legitimate things in their own right many times. But distractions. Let's get rid of our distractions. Let's focus on Jesus. This morning I respectfully ask, what is there in your life, however good or important, that distracts you from the spiritual refreshing and rejuvenation that only comes from sitting at Jesus' feet? What are the distractions in your life? I have, I have distractions in my life. I know what mine are. Do you know what yours are? And how many times do we go to do something and then we think of or are reminded of something else we need to do and that reminds us of something else? Or you go to look up something on the internet and before you dive deep into that, you see something else, you click on that and that leads you, you know, it's called surfing, you know, the internet. And pretty soon, you know, two hours later, you never did get to what you were going to look at. Why? You got distracted. That's how our lives are. What are the distractions? What are the things that are keeping you and me from time in Jesus' presence, from that rest stop that we so desperately need? We need to fight off those distractions. What's the third element of the rest stop on the road to destiny? It's deciding to focus on the necessary. Deciding to focus on the necessary. After Martha's complaint, Jesus addresses her in verse 41. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. He gently and lovingly rebukes her. He says, you're worried and upset about many things. So the truth is, Martha is not just upset that she's doing all the work and Mary's just sitting down on the job. That's a big part of it. But Jesus 
as he always did, got to the heart of the matter. He says, Martha, you're upset about a lot of things. You have a, a lot of things that are pressing on your mind, a lot of things that are distracting you and calling for your attention. He said, but only one thing is needed. One thing is necessary. Jesus didn't say only one thing was right or important. He didn't say the things you're concerned about are unimportant or should never be done. But he said only one thing's really, really necessary. Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Martha thought she needed Mary to help. But what Martha really needed was time at Jesus' feet. The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said this, Purity of heart is to will one thing. Purity of heart is to will one thing. To be focused, to be singularly attentive uh, to the most important thing. That's what needs to happen on our rest stop on the road to our destiny. So Jesus says, Martha, you're, you're upset about many things, but only one thing is necessary. And in verse 42, he says, Mary has chosen what is better. Literally, in the Greek, Mary has chosen the good portion. You see, our choices in life are not always just between good and bad. We, uh, we rationalize and say, you know, what I'm, what I'm choosing to do is not bad. Therefore, that's what I should be doing. But the real, the, the real fine point, the real nuance, the real thing we should be distinguishing is between the good and the better. The good and the best. And Jesus said, Mary chose what is better. Mary chose... What is necessary? Mary chose the most important thing. Mary's time spent at Jesus' feet would never be wasted. I've said this before and I'll reiterate. Time spent in the Lord's presence is never, ever wasted. Never. Yeah, but Pastor I have this to-do list and you... Yeah, but if one of the things in my to-do list doesn't get done today because I made it a priority to do the best thing and spend time at the feet of Jesus, that's okay. Because time in the Lord's presence, unadulterated by distractions and by to-do lists, is never, ever wasted. A study conducted by the Barna Organization found that most Americans consider themselves to be not only religious, but also deeply spiritual. But when the commitment was examined further, results questioned the meaning of being deeply spiritual. Uh, further research found that when adults were asked to identify the single most important priority in their life, in their lives, that commitment to their faith placed second while only one in six people even listed faith as a priority. Barna's study found that half of the population said their top priority was family. Half. The best, uh, the, the, the largest percentage of, of any listing. 
This was especially true for families with children under age 18 at home, married couples and adults in their 20s and 30s. Faith was second, listed by 16% of adults as a top uh, priority. Uh, Barna says that the relationship between a person's perception of their religious commitment and their unwillingness to make faith their top priority points to a serious disconnect. He, he said, quote, spirituality is in vogue in our society today. It is popular to claim to be part of a, quote, faith community or have a spiritual commitment. Everybody awake? He said it's, so you can claim to be part of a spiritual community or have a faith commitment, but your faith is not number one. Can I just say something? Family is hugely important. You don't need me to tell you that. I love my family as much as you love yours. And, and you, hear me, you hear me talk about my family sometimes. And, and you talk about yours. And we should, family is important. But can I tell you something? Family is not more important than God. Family is not more important than God. Pastor Tim, how can you say that? Because it's true. Listen, none of us know when we're going to leave this life. And when we do, we stand before God. We're not going to be standing with our family. We're going to be standing alone before God. Family, and matter of fact, when we put God first, we're a better family member. Did you know that? When I put God first, I'm a better husband, a better father, a better grandfather. Ladies, when you put God first, you're a better wife, you're a better mother. And everything else falls into place when God is first. Family is important. It's not the most important thing. God is most important. Luke 14, 26 through 27 in the New Living Translation says, If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. By comparison, Jesus said, by comparison, it's as if you hate uh, your, your loved ones and those all around you compared to how much you're devoted to me. That's the kind of commitment, that's the kind of devotion that God is calling for from each of us. The work we do for God is extremely important and every believer should find a place of ministry. Our families and our loved ones, those around us are very important and we need to give attention to them. But nothing is a substitute for time spent at the feet of Jesus. In conclusion this morning, a well-known pastor was talking with one of his members about some of the tough topics he had taught over the years. Hell, money, sex, relational confrontation, self-discipline. And the church member asked him, he said, of all the topics you've preached on, which has been the hardest to get across? The pastor didn't even hesitate. He said the toughest uh, to uh, get across is becoming totally devoted to Christ. He said that for many people, total devotion to Christ means squandering the only life they have. Can you imagine? squandering their lives. Is total devotion to Jesus something we should strive for? 
Is it something that should be built into our lives? We need to take those red stops on the road to our destiny. What's involved in those rest stops? Number one, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Saying, Lord, I'm not here at the moment to ask you for anything. Now, it's biblical to bring our request to God, isn't it? But, but, but I think it pleases the heart of God when we, we, we say, Lord, for, 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 this, for this period, for this moment, I'm not here to ask you for anything. I'm not here to entreat you or beg you for anything. Lord, I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. How about this morning? Can Jesus have some of your time? Can Jesus have some of your time just to sit at his feet, just to be in his presence, just to commune and fellowship with him? Also involved in a rest stop on the road to destiny is having to fight off distractions. Say we have to fight them off. Yeah, you know that. We know that. There will, there will always be distractions. We have to fight them off. We have to put them in their place. We have to uh, arrange to take care of them at another time because we need to be at Jesus' feet. Fight off distractions. And thirdly, deciding to focus on the necessary, the better. Not just the good, the better, the best. Communion with Almighty God. We're all traveling this road. We're all traveling the road. As Jesus was to his destiny, we're traveling the road to our destinies. Anybody need a rest stop? Anybody need a rest stop? I know I do. My life suffers. I can tell my life suffers when I haven't had a holy spirit rest stop for a while. How about you? We know it. We know it. And yet, we're busy. We're busy. Let's not be too busy to sit at Jesus' feet.